Okay, we we are starting. It's a yeah. It's a cult among that. That was on purpose. Definitely not me being illiterate and unable to type. Uh, Aiden, would you kindly turn around and turn off uh, the monitor? Not turn it off, but like just close whatever's on there. Uh, that would be Rome too. Yeah, it's interesting. I they made an entire game about something that never existed, with complete <laughs> detail and unit stats and depictions of their shields it's it's incredible the works of fantasy that people can create such yeah, as, you know. i love skyrim when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply you got me there. You and got that, a point. You have a point. That, like, Rome 2 didn't exist. Like, there was... There was like, <laughs> Rome 2. <laughs> yes. We need to start it. We need we're, to start Rome 2. The U.S. is Rome 2, basically. Basically. We're yeah. in Pax Americana right now. No, we're not. We're uh, That comes after the Civil War where we develop into an empire. Was Pax Americana or Pax Rome Romana in the Imperial era? Yeah. Pax Romana was Imperial. And that's why I'm not the history person. Um, you know, you could, talk, you could talk about the psychology of what it takes to completely reject the existence of the Roman Empire, I suppose. Um, I could. Yeah, that would be I won't. one way to do things. <laughs> All roads lead to hating the French. Good Lord. Anyway, hi, guys. I'm Aiden Mattis. Welcome back to the Lore Lodge official podcast. I have Thorn Bussy, and um, I don't really have a nickname for you. Um, Cat? Yeah, it's, it's too name. simple, though. I, it's, I thought... It's, Catalina? We never yeah. we never got around to Yeah, I know, that's true. Um to something... the nickname part of the You know, it is what it is. They're saying Rome 2 Electric Boogaloo. Catskill? I like that. That's good. What? But Catskill? Catskill? No, Catskill. Oh, God. Catskill like Mountains. Mountains. All right. Different to cat. Different I know it's a C cat, instead yeah. of a K, but it's something. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a hundred out of a hundred, but it's something. It's a start. It's true. Our... Start. They're saying cat bussy. No. That might be worse. Yeah. Katussy? Katussy. That I don't like. I, I it's, wish it's better. not good. Sometimes I regret being a podcast host. Um, it's not the podcast host. It's this podcast. Yeah, it's pro- <laughs> yeah. When we had Isaiah on for Weird Bible the other day, uh, people were like, you know, hitting us with the, like the, it was very normal for a while, and then I made the mistake of saying the word milk. Well, now you've made the mistake We haven't, again. We haven't had the milk chain in so long, but uh, I made the mistake of saying, I think we were talking about uh, how they're told that they'll be given a land of milk and honey, and then the chat just milked all the way down. Uh, Isaiah, also <laughs> told me, Isaiah also told me that, I, the, um, <laughs> that his video comments are like 30% Wendigussy and Wendussy. Naturally. Probably he, just from knowing He blames us. me for yeah. that one, which well, is valid. Fair. But, yeah, we are actually going to cover a topic today, though, and that topic is one that we did cover on Friday, but we know some people watch the podcasts and not the videos, and as you guys know, we tend to cover the same topics, just in different formats, but that is going to be Heaven's Gate. Uh, Now, for those who are not familiar, uh, Heaven's Gate is most broadly known for the, the mass suicide that happened in 1997 that was associated with the cult. 
Uh, what I did not know coming into this before I started the research was that uh, <laughs> this dates back to the 1970s. It was not something that developed in the 90s and was spurred on by the internet as I initially had thought. No, this was something that was born in the 1970s of uh, two people with uh, very specific interests and mental illnesses who probably for their own good should never have met. Hmm. Um, and... We love a power couple. Yeah, they really. Well, that's the thing is they weren't even a power couple because if we, we're going to get into the dynamic here. But I, uh, you know, so do you know how much do you know about this? I know basically zero. basically zero. I read the first three sentences um, off of Wikipedia. Wikipedia while we were waiting here, yeah, getting so, the camera set up. Very, so that's where very I'm at. Solid, solid group of people here. Uh, absolutely no craziness going on. Um, the whole thing starts. With two people named Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite. Mm. Now, Bonnie is born into a uh, very Christian family, as is Marshall Applewhite. And they do not meet for the first, um, I think it's almost 50 years of their lives. They meet in, I think, 1972. Yeah, it's right here. Uh, so, so, so they're kind of older when they meet. They are older when they meet. And their relationship, a lot of people would look at this and think, oh, well, this is you know clearly two people who met later in life, saw themselves as soulmates, and decided to go off on the run from their families and whatnot. No. No, that is not what happened. Uh, these two people were not romantically involved. Really? At all. Not no. at all. BFFs. Uh, yeah, so Bonnie, up until 1972, was married to a wonderful man. He was a uh, Marine veteran. He had been a pharmacist in the Marines. He had joined up at 15 years old. Oh, my God. And actually was injured in the battle for New Britain against the Japanese, which is an island in the uh, East Indies. Okay. So how a pharmacist ended up injured fighting the British is certainly a good question. Not the British, sorry. Fighting for the, fighting the Japanese for the mm-hmm. Americans. When in need in World yeah, War II. Yeah, when in need. Um, for, yeah, again, for the British in New Britain. Uh, World War II. <laughs> Just <laughs> a lot of lot. crazy stuff. <laughs> really There's a lot going on. So he got roped into this nonsense in World War II. He, yes, uh, and he actually got the Purple Heart. Oh my god. And, yeah, like, total war hero. Comes back, meets Bonnie Nettles. She's a nurse. Uh, she wasn't Nettles at the time, I think. Um, but meets Bonnie. They get married, they have several beautiful children, they have a great life, and then around the late 60s, Bonnie starts to take an interest in the occult. And As you do. Demonology and ghosts and spirits, and with the way the timing lines up, mm-hmm. I do wonder if she got way too into Ed and Lorraine Warren, because that's when they were active. Oh. Um, for those who haven't seen last week's podcast or video, you want to cover who the Warrens are? Sure, I'm sure most people know who the Warrens are, but uh, okay. yeah, Ed and Lorraine Warren are very well were very famous demonologists and occultists. Which does not mean that they were practicing, you know, dark magic or whatever. What it means is that they were studying it, mm-hmm. and they are very famous for a number of reasons. One is that they were pretty much the only people out there openly talking about this stuff and making a career off of it at a time when this was not really something you talked about. On top of that, uh, they are some of the most controversial people in the demonology, occult, ghost space to ever live because they are largely believed to have been complete frauds. Um, now, I I don't think Lorraine Warren was necessarily a complete fraud, but looking back on it, Ed has a lot of questionable things about him. Um at the end of the day, I don't know if they had an influence on Bonnie Nettles, but based on the stuff that she got very into later in life, it seems like she may have 
started to take an interest in these people. So, and yes, both like, both of the Warrens are dead. Uh, you know, I mean, sometimes it's better than a Corvette. True. Unless it's got the pop-up headlights, then that's all oh. better. <laughs> it's over if it's got the pop-up It's over. It's done. It's all about the pop-ups. Possessed Corvette. Yeah, see? That's cooler. That just makes it like Lightning McQueen. Your McQueen. <laughs> She's the fake queen. You don't need the fake queen. Uh, yeah, so Nettles gets very interested in the occult. She starts to dive into it, and in 1972, she meets Marshall Applewhite. Now, who is Marshall Applewhite? Well, he is a Presbyterian. He starts out his life as a Presbyterian. He looks into, he goes to seminary. He wants to be a priest, um, or a minister, sorry. Goes to seminary, and then while in seminary, changes his mind. Decides, ah, I don't really want to do this. Um, it happens. It happens. And what do you do when you change your mind away from seminary? You go to musical theater. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, no, hear me, hear me out. Transferable skills. You're spending time talking to people, like it, like it, talking to, like, performing in front of crowds. Uh-huh. That's, I mean, that's if, the biggest one, right? If <laughs> you're, there. I mean, if you're a pastor who leads the choir. There song, you go, song. You know. Song. There's, there's a lot of music in the church. Yeah, that's okay. Fair, fair. Not in the Presbyterian church, but fair. <laughs> I've never been in one. <laughs> they have music. Shot in the dark. But, but they're, uh, they're, they're more in the Calvinist tradition, so they eschew certain things like that. But uh, Did yes, you say a shoe. Yes. All right. I just wanted to take a second to acknowledge that. Moving on. It's a good SAT word. Yeah, it is a good SAT word. Neither of us took the SAT. I don't think it's a word. <laughs> yeah, no, we just took the ACT. We have the same score on it too. Yep. Let's go. Like almost the exact same score, down to the each individual one. Yeah. We were talking about this last week. I got like a thirty-two. We both did. We both did really well on the rest yep. of it, but bombed on the math. Yeah, we both got both got twenty sevens on the math. Yes, Yikes. like that's which is above average. We did fine. Yeah, I was very um, behind once I got to my high school, and even then, just catching up. Because he was very small, they thought he was an elementary school. <laughs> I got the porgy legs. They didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> I think that's probably why they couldn't. They my mom wanted to do like push me forward a grade or hold me back, whatever the fuck it was, and they were probably like, "No, he's got porgy legs. We can't." She wanted daylight savings, you. Uh, so anyway, Marshall. I want daylight savings to stay. Moving on. Sorry. So Marshall. Take. Marshall gets his BA in philosophy like from Boston College, and then goes to get his master's in theology, uh, master's of divinity at Union Presbyterian Seminary. Um, he marries a woman named Anne Pierce. They have two children, and then he leaves seminary to pursue, uh, pursue music. He is drafted in 1954 to go fight. Nowhere because there weren't any wars going on at the Korea. Time. Korea was 1950 to 1953. Right? Oh, maybe. If he got drafted, I would imagine it would be Korea. Yeah, 1950 1953. How the hell do you get drafted if we're not actively in a war? Dude, I don't know. Fair enough. I'm not in charge. I didn't know we got drafted. Got drafted in 1954. I'm not. I'm not asking you for like, what are the answers? I'm just curious. It's like, no, Mason. Yeah. Um, so he's drafted in 1954. He serves two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowhere really interesting. Doesn't really do anything with his military career. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the beta version of Bonnie's actual husband. Um, mm-hmm. And then he comes back and he moves to New York City after finishing his master's in musical theater. Yeah, that's what it was at the University of Colorado. 
Um, okay. So he's just globetrotting at this point. This man has been everywhere. So he, he goes to Colorado, gets his musical theater degree, mm-hmm. gets drafted, goes mm-hmm. off, does that, moves to New York to make it big in the Big Apple. Yes. As a musical theater guy. Yes. And of course, he failed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he then goes on to, he goes to the University of Alabama to teach, uh, you know, Roll Tide, I guess. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, you know, as one does at Alabama, and when you're a musical theater professor, he has an affair with a male student. Oh! So that gets him fired from the University of Alabama. He also, uh, his wife finds out about the affair in 1965 and divorces him, as one does when their husband is caught having a gay affair in 1965. Um also, the part where it was with a student wasn't great. Either. No, like, that, that's, that's, you're really not. that's probably the had, worst honestly, part of it yeah. all. Yeah, like, you, you really shouldn't. Um, you, really, you really shouldn't. Things you shouldn't do. But anyway, uh, she finds out in 1965, and three years later is like, yeah, I can't do this, and divorces him. Um, following that, he moves to Houston to teach at the University of St. Thomas. Uh, which, as you can tell, there's an undercurrent of him being connected to Christianity... Throughout yeah. all of this and pursuing it, and that becomes important later. Uh, but at University of St. Thomas, he's very lo- well liked by his students. He's very stylish because, of course, of course, uh, and he's very well spoken, very charismatic. So you know, stylish, charismatic, religious speaker. Ah, you can kind of see how things start to snowball, right? So he was at the time actually getting a little bit more open about his sexuality. He was openly dating both men and women. Really? Yes. And in which in the you know, 1968. Yep. Damn. Yeah, so he was you know, he was living pretty openly as a bisexual man. Let's go king. Yep. Uh bisexual king. We're going to ignore everything else that happens after this, I guess, right. uh, in light of being an ally. <laughs> Kings um, can be dethroned even fair. even by themselves. Okay, Tyrion. Good god. Um <laughs> But uh, I haven't even watched the new so, series. So what happens? But he's he's well liked. He's doing great. Yeah. yeah. And then in 1970, uh, he's not doing so great. He resigns, uh, citing depression. Oh no. But why was he depressed? Well, it appears to have been because he was having another affair with a male student, um, which got him in trouble. Yeah. With the university. Got, yeah. He seems to have his resignation doesn't appear to have been voluntary. God. So I. Uh, he then tries to move to New Mexico and try a different career path. You know, you've, you've got some seminary training. Yeah. You've got a musical theater degree. You've mm-hmm. got a bachelor's in philosophy. You know, you got you got options. you got places you could go, maybe a paralegal or, uh, or a music teacher or something music like that. I wouldn't um, put him as a teacher anywhere. Well, but you, but you get the point. You can you can at least try, right? So, <laughs> when so you're involved does... with your students, I think that's the end of the road. <laughs> so he does what makes sense for someone with this set of skills. He opens a deli. <laughs> uh... I have a very particular set of skills. Well, you need none of that. them. <laughs> Would you like cheese on that? Yeah. So, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, We're out of rye. Yes. Uh, Delhi fails. He moves and back. And a deli in New Mexico also. Yes. I feel like New Mexico isn't like really like deli country. You, you know? don't have a Why dream not? of moving to Albuquerque to start a deli? No, but I do have a dream of moving, out, moving to Albuquerque to start a meth business. I don't think we can say that on YouTube. There's a Breaking Bad reference, YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) So. He starts this deli. He has no students, so he can't get fired from the deli. Yes, he has no students. He simply has the meats. He Uh, does have the meats. 
Yes. And this gets us to about 1972, because he moves back to Texas. Oh, okay. Where he becomes a music teacher. <laughs> so, <laughs> at a music school. Uh, oh, gosh. And this is where he meets Bonnie Nettles. Now, the actual circumstances of the meeting of Bonnie Nettles are shrouded in mystery, because according to them, they met, and it was this huge, immediate spiritual connection. It was magical. They were destined to meet. And according to Bonnie Nettles' daughter, uh, Marshall worked at a music school, and someone got hurt, and he had to take them to the hospital, and Bonnie was just a nurse there. Ah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it could have been a huge spiritual experience, you know, at the hospital. Or it could be a cult leader lying about how... Yeah, it could have been that, too. You know. It's possible. Um, So, this is what I described in my notes as a perfect storm of delusion. Mm -hmm. Because Nettles is obsessed with the occult, and Applewhite is struggling immensely with his identity, and also got halfway through religious training, um, which is about... When it comes to religion and preaching and things like that, you know, proselytizing, it is better to either uh, have no Mm -hmm. formal training or all of the formal training. Because if you only have some of the formal training, you're probably going to miss some stuff. So he knows, like, just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. It's like getting, like, halfway through, like, a pyrotechnics course. It's like, you should finish that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. If if you grow up religious, you're probably going to be able to cover the bases. But if somebody asks you deeper theological questions, you won't really know enough to answer them, and you'll probably just be like, yeah, you know what, that's a good point, I don't know. If you've got some training... You're, you might think you know the answers, uh, and it becomes very clear that Marshall does not know the answers. Um, but if you read up on them separately, something that's interesting here is that their biographies, independent of one another, actually blame the other. Really? For what happens next, uh, over the course of the next 20 years. Zeus, no, he went to seminary first. Uh... No, he went to seminary first. Yeah, he dropped out of seminary before all of this. He got his bachelor's in philosophy at Austin College, went to Union Seminary, dropped out uh, to pursue musical theater, went to Colorado University, and got his master's in musical theater there before going on to uh, have affairs with every possible student. So Not a good look. Yeah, no. But they first meet in March of 1972. Mm -hmm. Marshall would be a... About, uh, I think, about 40 years old here. Nettles would be about 45. Okay. Um, and, again, as I said, Terry Nettles, Bonnie's oldest daughter, said they met after a student at the drama stool just got hurt. Um, Applewhite had recently taken an interest in astrology, mm-hmm. and Nettles was like, oh, my God, I can do an astro- astrological reading for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the origin of the astrology ho happened in 1972 in Austin, Texas. Um, he asked him for the time and place that he was born. Exactly. And he was like, I'm into it. <laughs> exactly. And he was like, you know, can you can you tell me other things? And she went, yes, and then made a whole bunch of stuff up. Um, but, yeah. So she offers him this astrological reading. They become convinced they're spiritually connected. And as one does when you spiritually connect with a very um, confused former seminarian and music teacher, mm-hmm. uh, you leave your husband for him. Yeah. To be wait, to be fair, their marriage was really rocky because of her obsession with It was getting stuff. weird, but okay. it wasn't like break up yet. It wasn't at that. Yeah, but level. I remember in the video that we recorded, you were very adamant about the fact that the husband was like really feeling the strain. Yeah, he was not. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. He was not. He was not happy about it. Yeah. 
but it, it seems like meeting Applewhite and falling into that rabbit hole with was him like was push, yeah. what pushed them over the edge. She did leave. He did not divorce her. She left, and then they got divorced. Uh, she left behind, I think, four children to go. And, I mean, this is the wild part is they open up the Christian Arts Center, which is a bookstore that has absolutely nothing to do with Christianity. But if you're going to try and drag people, if you're going to try and convince people to come visit your storefront in mm-hmm. Houston, Texas, uh in 1972, calling it the Christian Arts Center is probably the way to go. They, you would do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, they also opened uh, No Place, K-N-O-W, uh, where they taught classes. Yeah, they taught classes on theosophy, which is the belief that there is an ancient order of spiritual masters who understand the inner workings of the universe and that they uh, speak through current masters who are basically avatars. Okay. Yeah, totally. Kind of like almost like prophet territory. Yeah. Also, for those who are super chatting, we will get to the super chats towards the end of the show around 7.45. Um, we, we, when we don't have a guest, we've shortened it to an hour. Um, just makes more sense that way. But uh, that and mysticism. Now, mysticism covers a wide range of things. There's Islamic mysticism. There's Jewish mysticism. There's Christian mysticism. It's kind of... Uh, it's hard to describe, but the gist of mysticism is that the things that are not explicitly written in the Bible or the Quran or the Torah, the Tanakh, are not necessarily not there. They're just oral tradition, and you get into some stuff that's more like magic. Gotcha. All right. Yes. Uh, that's a very baseline explanation of it. It's much deeper than that. But uh, both of these things draw from Christianity, but they are not Christian. Um, I wouldn't go so far as so far as to say that mysticism is a heresy, but it's definitely not mainstream Christianity. It's uh, taking quite a few liberties. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, Marshall has a fantastic track record with business ownership at this point, <laughs> which is why in 1973 oh, no. they closed both of these things that are failing. Yeah. And they say, you know what? Forget, forget brick and mortar. We're taking this show on the road. Mm. They set off on a road trip across the western U.S. where they discuss their beliefs with one another. So you take two people who are rather zany on their own, and then they combine the zanity. Um, and you you get some pretty wild theological points, which we'll get to in just a second. But this is kind of where the cult starts to take shape. Uh, they get very into the works of uh, St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis was the patron saint of Italy, of animals, and uh, a very medicine-focused saint. Was very interested in two particular things. Uh, that was curing leprosy and curing Islam. Um... He wanted to convert all of the Muslims. One astronomically harder than the other. He saw it as a spiritual ailment, basically. To to the same degree as leprosy. He succeeded at the leprosy one. The Franciscans did eliminate leprosy from Europe. I mean, that's that's awesome. Go them. Like, they did get there. Uh, They did not succeed on the other one, though. There are Muslims still. No lepers, though. No lepers. One out of two. Yeah, honestly... Currently, he's got a better track record than Marshall. <laughs> um, I also, I, I, I have it in my notes that I, uh, I mix him up with Bernard of Clairvaux all the time. For any other medievalists that might be watching, I don't know why I mix him up with Bernard of Clairvaux, but it happens to me all the time. Um, but yes, he sought to end the stigma against lepers and eventually eliminate leprosy and convert all of the Muslims. And he, part of the reason that he appealed so much to Marshall Applewhite was that originally St. Francis had wanted to be a knight. 
he had wanted to be a, a warrior, a nobleman, you know, achieve fame and glory that way. Mm -hmm. And then eventually there's a specific episode that I won't get into where he hears the Lord's call and he decides that he should be a friar instead. He goes and he gets his permission to start his own branch, his own order within the Catholic Church from the Pope, and he starts the Franciscan order. Uh, so Applewhite saw some similarities there. He had wanted to be a uh, a famous musical theater person. Um, you saw nothing. It happened off screen. He had wanted to be a famous musical person, uh, and he felt the calling to instead tell people that they were going to achieve enlightenment by traveling to a comet. What comet was it again? Hale-bop. Not to be confused with Mbop, the hit single by Hanson. Mbop. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, it gets. Yeah, I mean, you remember how we opened the video? Uh, yes, yeah, I do. So, you know, what, what if Jesus was? A, what if Jesus came back and he came back as a gay man from Texas? Is that where the story is going? Where the story is going? We're almost there. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, uh, they also discussed the works of Helena Blavatsky, who is a theosophist and the founding member of the Theosophical Society. Again, theosophists believe that there is a ancient order of masters of the universe. It's kind of like Doctor Strange. Uh, they also discussed R. D. Lang, who is a psychiatrist who focused on psychosis. There is a deep irony here. Um, psychosis being the inability to distinguish between what is real and what is not real. So again, the irony is just <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very heavy irony. In the yeah. Story. And then uh, Richard Bach, who was an author and aviator who dabbled in philosophy and actually is still alive, but he wrote a book about uh, a seagull and discussed philosophy through the eyes of a seagull. Of yes. all the birds. Of all the birds, a seagull. I mean, it is an interesting bird to choose, considering how much they interact with humans and how like mm -hmm. difficult that relationship is. The only other difficult that relationship is. What well, is? Because it is because they're they're so mean. Yeah, they're always getting swatted at by humans. It's a, I mean, the only other comparable. Are relationship you on the side between... of the seagull? No, no, no. I just think if you're looking at life at, from the perspective of a seagull at humanity, it's understandable to like have disdain. The only other comparable bird would be a pigeon. Well, um, no. Here's the thing. I like pigeons. Pigeons are cool. Seagulls have two things on their mind at any one moment. Stealing french fries and murder. Yeah, that's, that's very fair. That's fair. <laughs> She's got a point. Where, where does the murder part come in? Have you met a seagull? Have you... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have I met a seagull? <laughs> For those from landlocked states, <laughs> seagulls are terrible. <laughs> but they're not nice. Oh, trust me. I've got more experience with seagulls than either of you combined. I understand where you guys are coming from. I understand. You have a lot of seagulls in your little black book. I do. Mm. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> no, it's just it just it's an interesting life, considering especially, like, they're right around New York. Like, city. What? Seagulls. seagulls. Yeah. And everywhere else that has coastline. No, I know. But specifically <laughs> in relation, it's, it's an interesting... It's an interesting perspective to have, especially... The variety of experiences which a seagull could possibly have. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. Unnecessary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they also keep a King James Bible with them. Now, the King James Bible is is my go-to translation. I've got, like, three of them in this room right now, somewhere. Um, but the thing about the KJV is that while it is incredibly accurate, mm -hmm. even today, even with the new stuff we've discovered, uh, it's written in English from 1611 makes it very difficult to read. Mm -hmm. Now again, if you're a trained <laughs> theologian, 
a little, you, a little you, easier. You know what you're doing. You know how to read it and go, all right, well, if I don't totally understand what this here means, I can go to my Strong's Concordance. Mm -hmm. I can go and I can look up in the Hebrew Dictionary mm -hmm. what actual word was used in this spot. In 1972, with half a theology degree, uh, <laughs> you could not use the Internet. So you had to go to a library. And even then, it was going to be... A long, a long ways. So no, rather well, you than... go to a library when you own your own bookstore. <laughs> rather than doing any of that, they just went, you know what, we don't need help interpreting this 16th century English. Why go to a library when I hear God talking to me in my head? Yep. Um, that's basically, that was their attitude. Uh, and so um, they focused using their KJV on Christology, which is the study of Jesus Christ as a figure, both man and divine. Uh, they focused on asceticism, which is the uh, eschewing of... I'm going to use this word as many times as possible now just to bother you. It uh, doesn't bother me. It's just it was shocking because it's a <laughs> word I haven't heard in years. Yeah. But the, the basically the giving up of material wealth and pleasure and then on eschatology. And stoic person. Eschatology is something that in Christianity is basically the thing that is studied by the most, like, the most accomplished theologians. You you start studying Revelation when you have nailed everything else, because you gotta, you got to have a solid grasp of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all four Gospels, Acts, Romans, uh, I think, uh, not Thessalonians touches on it, but what else? Um, uh, ba basically, there's stuff from the entire Bible that you got to know for Revelation to even begin to make sense. And even once it does begin to make sense, there's like five or six layers of symbolism per verse. This is like the boss level. It's of... really hard, and people yeah. keep asking Isaiah and I to do a weird Bible episode on Revelation, and both of us are like, we are not qualified to do that. No qualms like that for Apple White. No, <laughs> no he, he was like, I got this. <laughs> He's just like, man, I don't know what you guys are talking about. This thing is plain as day. Marshall Applewhite is sitting there like, you know, I may have failed out of the seminary, and I may have failed as a music teacher, and I may have failed as a husband, and I may have failed as a delicatessen owner. A what? Delicatessen? That's the full word for deli. You learn a lot of really weird new facts when I talk. Yeah. I'm sorry. When was the last time somebody said, oh, let's go to the delicatessen or delicatessen? Delicates, delicatessen. Tessen, okay, it's a T, not a T. German word. Let's go to the delicatessen and get some little sandwiches. You lived in New York. Literally you no one. You lived in New York for four years. When was to be fair, New Yorkers think that, that bodegas are something that's unique to New York. Yeah. <laughs> you only ever hear deli in bodega. Next, you're going to tell me bodega is short for like well, you, bodega dacaton or something. You also hear. <laughs> bodega delicious. You also hear, hey, and I'm walking it. That's a lot of, now a lot of days, it's like, my guy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't step on my thins. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, what, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Delicatessy was just written in chat, Delicatessy. so I quit. Are you surprised in no. any way, shape, or form? No, I'm not. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> Good God. Uh, so yeah, but anyway, he's like, I have failed at everything in my life. You know what I'm qualified to do? Mm. Is... Uh, Interpret the book of Revelation. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he also read a lot of science fiction. Oh, uh, you know, this very, is not a... Very interested in the work answer. of, like, Philip K. Dick. 
uh, who's Man in the High Castle, and uh, do Android Stream of Electric Sheep, which you probably know better as Blade Runner, because um, that was the movie that was made out of it. I gotta be honest, the book is a lot better than the movie, and you I... Read the book? I've read the book, I have seen the movie, and I gotta say, even watching the Ridley Scott director's cut of the movie, I still could not get into it. Yeah, the best part's the music. I think that's the worst part. <laughs> the best part of the movie is Harrison Ford, just existing. Mm -hmm. I like Harrison Ford, he's a cool dude. It's hard I, I not still, to like I still Harrison haven't Ford. seen it. For the longest time, I had Blade Runner and Tron mixed up in my head, I thought. You know, that's understandable. But yeah, the whole the whole concept of the of the book is... Um, and this is, I think, part of the problem that we run into here. The whole thing about the book is that it's questioning what is humanity. The closer an android gets to human, mm -hmm. the more questions there are about, is it human? Uh, and that's the the whole story there. Um, and it's it's actually a very limited story in scope. Like, for, for the world building mm -hmm. that goes into it, they don't touch on much of it. But in terms of scope, like, the story is very limited. But there's, you know, like colonies on Mars and there was some sort of ecological disaster on Earth that yeah, yeah like Earth in Earth and Blade Runner is way more inhabited than it is in the book. Um it's it's worth reading the book though, I will say that. Uh but yeah, so they're on the road and you know, if you watch the TV show Supernatural, you know that it's possible to live a life on the road as long as you steal credit cards and um you know hustle people at hustle pool. people at pool and all that. Bonnie and Marshall did exactly that. They, uh, they really? no, they sold their blood, worked odd jobs, and lived off of bread rolls. <laughs> oh no! <sighs> no, like were they? They both had children, right? Yeah. Were they in contact with their children at all during this time, or was it no strange? Uh, so you can actually go and you can read Joseph Nettles, her ex-husband. You can read his obituary, and she is not even remotely mentioned. Really? Yes. Wow. Like even you know how usually it says uh, is predeceased by? Yeah. Nope, she's well, not in there. When your wife leaves you to go join a cult or start a cult, start a cult, start a cult. I mean, I girl boss, girl boss, gaslight gate, gaslight heaven's gate, keep girl boss. He girl bossed a little too close to the sun <laughs> on that one. No, she girl bossed a little too close to the common hip hop. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, at least Marshall thought so. Uh, but yeah, so they were living off loaves of bread, and then in 1974, two years after meeting, they acquired their first convert, who was one of Bonnie's friends from Houston. I kind of feel like maybe this was a little bit of a pity thing, like, yes, I'll join your church, just please come home. Um, tried. They tried, they failed. Uh, but when they, they converted her in, in Houston, they were like, oh my god, we can do this. We can save the world. With our theology that hasn't totally actually coalesced yet and doesn't make any sense. Um, but they suggest that Jesus will return as a Texan man uh, and that Bonnie and Marshall are the witnesses from Revelation 11. And remember when I said you really shouldn't try to interpret Revelation unless you're a really, really solid theological scholar? Mm -hmm. Well, this is why. Because the two witnesses in Revelation are not two people from Texas at all. Nor does this story even make sense in this context. Uh, but the two witnesses are to be killed and resurrected, and Bonnie and Marshall believe they would be killed and resurrected. Oh, jeez. Exactly. Um, and so they publish a pamphlet going over all of this. And uh, over time, they actually do get to a point where they, they are killed and resurrected by the media, in that the media wrote bad stories about them and they didn't die, so that fulfilled the prophecy. Oh, no. Yeah. But before all that happens, um, you know, when you're on the road and 
just, you know, trekking it for the Lord, I guess. Uh, you know, sometimes you need to borrow a car or rent a car. And sometimes you rent that car in, like, Missouri mm-hmm. and drive it to Texas and don't actually return it. And then the cops come and say, hey, you, you stole that car. And you're like, no, no, no. Uh, the Lord authorized me to have the car. And you use that as your legal defense. I have a permit. I wonder how <laughs> I can do what I, I, I want. I wonder what the percentage chance of that working in specifically Texas would be. That's the thing is, of uh, all the places to try that, Texas was probably the one to do it. I mean, uh, they, it's they, they, high I up. Mean, they're, like, they're doing good, I guess. Good. They're crossing state lines, right? So it makes it mm-hmm. like less of a... like. Now you have to get like the... The federal boys involved, and I feel yeah. like the FBI really doesn't want to get involved in like a stolen rental car because they're dealing with. I mean, this is what the 70s, it was basically 80s. that there was an, like serial killers are all over the place. They, right they got he got pulled over yeah. for like speeding, and when they ran his plates, they found out that he had a warrant out for his arrest in Missouri. He served. Like they would have never if they had not been speeding. They would have never been caught. Probably not. No, especially not in 1974. That's um, why you don't speed, kids. But yeah, he's arrested. He goes. That's why. <laughs> He's arrested, he goes to jail for six months, and as we know, when people go to prison, they become much more grounded, especially when they were already crazy. Uh, and prison in, the, in 1974 was a place with great mental health resources. Um, yes. So he got especially worse. Especially in Texas. Yeah, he got worse. Uh, in prison, he actually does abandon the occult, though. Oh. Because he finds a new muse. Oh. oh? What he perceives to be science. Mm. Aliens. Ah. Yeah. So he gets out and uh, he talks to Bonnie and he's like, Bonnie, Bonnie, no, you don't understand. Like, it's not, it's not God. Mm -hmm. It's the aliens. And yes, what he goes with is precisely the ancient astronaut theory that you get on the History Channel when you watch Ancient Aliens. Oh my God. You are correct. (laughs) Um, he, he goes full ancient aliens. Jesus Christ was an extraterrestrial who comes back every 2,000 years to check on us and see if we're okay. So if he's nothing else, he's a trendsetter. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so they, they dive more into New Age religion, not organized Christianity. They're no longer trying to make this work within the framework of established Christian theology. No, 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 no. Uh, he, he is now the spokesperson for the extraterrestrials from the next level. That is what they call it. This is the next level. And your time on Earth is not a uh, a journey or, a, a, you know, a, just an existence. No, you're, you're preparing to ascend. And you will ascend in your physical body. And then you will be transmutated by the aliens. But we don't know how. Um, I mean, at, at first, at this point, I'm pretty sure we weren't even there yet. We're just going straight up. Uh, but they do eventually, you know, you, you will transform and all that. Um... They said they were sort of, they, and they say they're part of an experiment, okay. and they take new names because when, when you're cult leading, you know you want new names, and so yeah. uh, those new names are rightfully because they're part of an experiment. You know, it, you, you, what, what would you think that two people who are part of a, a great extraterrestrial experiment, who are the leaders, what would they call themselves? So Kat? here's the thing. Here's the thing. This was included in the first three sentences in the Wikipedia page, so what I already know what it is. What are their names? Tea and dough. No, nope. guinea and pig. What? Yep. <laughs> tea and dough was first, That's right? later. Oh, that was even later. Oh, right? no. Yep, they call themselves... Sorry, th- I'm sorry, this was not the first They call know. themselves guinea and pig. You're kidding me. I am 100% serious. Who's pig? Uh, Marshall. Bonnie, Bonnie is the... Bonnie is actually the, like, the head of this. She's the guinea. Yeah, um... 
I mean, Marshall's doing all the talking and actually interacting and leading things, but Bonnie is his... Like, Prophet. But you, you look at it basically as though Bonnie is the, you know, the actual conduit, and he's the spokesperson. Mm -hmm. uh, if you read Exodus, if you were here for Weird Bible on Thursday, it's kind of the situation that Moses and Aaron go through, and I think that's probably what he was referencing, mm -hmm. because uh, Moses is appointed to be God's prophet, and Aaron is his spokesman. So Moses takes the position of God, and Aaron takes the position of prophet. Um, it's kind of a symbolic thing. And they kind of go with this same deal, where Bonnie is the the conduit, and he is the prophet. Mm -hmm. Um so Applewhite does the majority of the speaking, and he changes over from religious terminology to scientific terminology because that's the best way to explain deeply unscientific things. Um, and then he was also... It's amazing this guy did not go into sales because he seems to really have a grasp on sales. He probably well, just... He like, wasn't he selling deli meat? Well, I have a feeling he probably wasn't very good at making sandwiches. If you're not, ah. if you're not making the product you're selling, you have a better chance of selling it. Yeah. There's a difference between slinging meat at a deli and selling deli meats you know Fair. yeah uh but yeah so what he does is he'll have these they'll host these events and they'll reach out to new age religious people and college students uh you know people who are easily influenced mm -hmm. and and they'll bring them in and they'll give their talk and then they won't actually speak one-on-one -on -one to anybody they take phone numbers yep. so that they can call you and that way they only get people who are genuinely interested in joining them. Very good sales tactic. You're only collecting qualified leads. Mm -hmm. What? Just, it's fitting, just, just yeah. using that terminology yeah. in this context. Yeah, but, you know, they, they eventually do begin to call themselves Heaven's Gate, right? But at first, they've got to call themselves something else. So what, what might what might a cult like this call itself, do you think? I mean, there's probably something science-y. Right, right, like... You know, if, if you had to make up a name for not a cult that like science right cult, but but what are you thinking? Like you know, uh, I have no idea. Our place among the stars, or the uh, astrology project, or something like that, stars. right? Um, <laughs> so they they come up with a very scientific name, and they begin calling themselves the Anonymous Sexaholics Church. No, are you serious? The Anonymous Sexaholics <laughs> Celibate Church. Which the irony of saying that in the relation that. Well, I guess the celibacy, but like yeah. I was just gonna say, considering that Nettles and Marshall didn't do anything together, but yeah, the yeah. celibacy thing. That, uh... um, but they realize that's probably not the best name, partially because it's a mouthful, uh, and ASCC doesn't really like roll off the tongue either. Mm -hmm. So they start calling themselves the Human Individual Metamorphosis, or Him. Yeah, because that rolls off the tongue. Him does. Well, Him does. I'm part of Him. In a religious sense. That fits. Yeah, and think about it. You know, I'm I'm one with him. I'm part of him. People are just gonna think you mean Christianity. Yeah. Off the t off the bat. Uh, it, sounds, it sounds less crazy at first. Yep. Um, they also begin teaching the doctrine of the elect, which is a non-universal Christian doctrine wherein God has predetermined who is going to heaven. Uh, and if you read the Bible, that doesn't make any sense. So, um, you know, Calvinism. He was a Presbyterian. That's the. It's funny. No matter what he teaches, you can always bring it back to Presbyterianism in some sense. It's actually kind of funny. That would be a good rod. rod <laughs> You're <laughs> right, Kaylee. Um, Daddy Ted would be happy with this. Do you mean Ted Kaczynski? <laughs> 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 um, they, uh, they actually do succeed though. They lure about seventy people 
into their cult really? and convince about 30 of them to leave their homes and follow them around the country. They stay in campgrounds. Oh, wow. They really emphasize personal choice as long as you agree with them. Um, they, and then they, they preach spiritual transformation uh, and, and retention of the human body. But this eventually changes into a biological transformation where you're having your genes edited by the beings from the next level. Mm -hmm. And if you would like your genes edited by the beings from the next level, smash the like button. I don't mean to interrupt, but Devin's shaking. Oh, yeah, she does that. Okay, just making Here. sure. Where, where is she? Hey, Bubby. Behind you. Devin. Sorry, my parents' dog is staying with us. Yeah. Come she here, Bubby. so cute. Come here. She's different from Archie. She's much smaller. See? Say hi to everybody. Yeah, Devin. I wasn't sure if the shaking was normal, so I just... No, she shakes right? all the time. Okay. She's very small and often cold, so... We're just gonna hold her for a little hey. bit. But yeah, so they start telling people no facial hair, no jewelry, no uh, communicating with your family members. Oh. Uh, celibacy is primary. No drugs, no alcohol, no media. Um, and you have to take biblical names, but wait, actually, biblical names are kind of confusing, and we don't want to call everybody Ezekiel, so instead, you know, the Amish would probably get a little upset. Um, so no, they, they think of something else. They're like, you know what? Let's just make this really easy, go with normal names. What we're going to do is everybody's going to pick three consonants and then end their name with Cody. No. Sorry, Odie. Odie? Yeah, so names like Chicody, Gnodi, Larodi. What? I'm 100% serious. In no way am I even remotely joking right now. Yeah. They also changed their names to T and Doe. Uh, with Nettles being T and Applewhite being Doe, that's in 1976. And this is when they start arguing that, oh, yeah, our, our deaths already happened because the media was mean to us. Um, their characters were assassinated. Exactly. See, it was character. That's That was actually their argument. I'm not even kidding. Um, but they, as you can see, they're kind of prone to changing doctrine all the time. And not to go into too much detail, if you want every single possible detail of this, watch the video we put out on Friday. That covers the whole thing in a lot of detail. But we're going to kind of skip ahead here because it's just kind of a a gradual transformation from mildly ridiculous to completely and totally ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, because they start doing things like calling all of their followers who remain, even the ones who aren't following them, and tell them, okay, uh, come to Medicine Bow National Forest. There's going to be a UFO touching down. And everyone comes. And the day the UFO is supposed to arrive, Nettle's like, ah, sorry, the aliens canceled. But what had they done? Well, they had gotten all of the best possible leads, all the people who were most likely to stay with the cult, to gather in one spot. Oh, I And then know. they organized them into smaller groups called star clusters. Oh, so, And each person is encouraged not to be close with the other people in their group, but to use Applewhite as their arbiter. Anytime they need help, they should go to him. Anytime they need guidance, they should go to him. Anytime they dispute, they should go to him. Never communicate with each other. So while giving people the uh, social incentive to stay in the cult by putting them into their little star clusters, mm -hmm. they also isolated everybody by forcing them to come to Applewhite with literally any problems. Oh my god, Devin, could you possibly lick me anymore? No, yeah, I was going to say your arm must taste really oh, good. God, you she likes to it. lick people. Good lord. Here, oh you take god. her. I'm sure. It's very sweet. Just my arm is moist now. Very clean. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so the demands got increasingly controlling. Doe and T are the only sense of truth, the only uh, source of truth. Close friendships are discouraged. Strict obedience is required. Outside contact is limited. 
they instructed their followers to see themselves as pets or children of Applewhite. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. Um, Applewhite would express his preferences, tell people they were welcome to disagree, and then anytime somebody would disagree, he would encourage them to leave. Um, in fact, it got to a point where once they had a little bit of money, nobody's sure where they got the money, once they had a little bit of money, if somebody didn't agree with them, they would actually encourage them to leave and pay them to go. So they could get anybody who didn't follow the toe the party line to go. So the only people who would remain with the cult were the ones who were truly devoted. They just cut out dissent to the source. And I, when you get to this point in the story, you, I, when I was doing the research, this is where I stopped thinking, oh, okay, these people are just insane, mm -hmm. and started thinking, these people are devious. Yeah, this is, like, like very, like, intentional culty behavior. Yeah, this is intentional cult behavior. Um, Not only just regular run-of-the-mill crazy cult behavior. Yep. And uh, by 1980, there were 80 of them, and they were not only, like, settled, but fully functional in Dallas. They were working jobs, going out to work each day, and coming back. Really? These people were so brainwashed by Bonnie and Applewhite that they were going to work. With normal people. With normal people. And coming Interacting back. with normal people. Oh, my God. And then coming back. Yeah. It is insane. Yeah, it was, I, a lot of them had IT jobs. You're correct. Um, mm. like birds. Yes, like birds. <laughs> but they also got to a point where they were realizing that, you know, they, they did need to give people, like, on the outside, like these people's families, mm -hmm. some sort of uh, reassurance. So they allowed people to write home in 1982 on Mother's Day. And in 1983, they allowed people to visit home for Mother's Day. And they were instructed to tell everyone that they were researching computers at a monastery. Which was not entirely untrue, because they were working a lot of IT jobs. But uh, you know, at this and point, they were celibate too. So yeah. So at this point, you're not a huge leap. Yeah, it's really not. At this point, you're looking at uh, a fully formed cult that actually might go somewhere. But as always, uh, God throws a wrench into the plans, and uh, Bonnie develops eye cancer. Oh. Which again, like. Eye cancer? It's eye cancer. There is an irony that I don't think is coincidence. As as somebody who is a Christian, I look at that and I'm like, that's that's specific. Mm. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> I'm not saying she deserved it. Exactly. But, remember, but you gotta remember right now, <laughs> it is part of their theology at this time that you will ascend in your living body. You're not going to die. You're going to ascend in your current form. If wait, so the current the current story yeah. that they're running with. That's fine. It makes her happy. Is the aliens are going to come and abduct you in your current form and then mutate you. And okay, and the aliens are Jesus Christ just returning every two thousand years. Yes, um, because of course 1994 is the best time to return to the Earth. Nineties um, were a good time. True. I. Uh, not for Kurt Cobain, but true. Yeah, not for um, everybody, but for <laughs> for some. For some. But yeah, uh, in 1983, Bonnie undergoes surgery to remove the eye. And then in 1985, she ends up uh, dying of cancer. Because they were not successful in getting rid of the cancer. Oh, no. In 1983. Cancer treatment's come a long way since then. Yeah. Uh, problem here, this kind of derails their theology. And she died. Yeah, so Marshall has to come up with something else. And what he comes up with is, well, uh, she just had too much spiritual energy. And also now we all will die too. Um, and then be resurrected. 
So it's a little not only is his theology broken, but so is his mental health at this point. Because he becomes deeply depressed and spirals and stops talking to people. The cult shrinks considerably. She was like his best friend though, right? Yep. Through all this. And this is his most successful endeavor in his entire life, it sounds like. Yeah, basically. This is the only time he's ever gotten anything right. So, well, I would. Well, I'm not sure I would call it Ever right. succeeded but like the, I should say. Yeah, he's, he's, he's been successful for the first time. Exactly. With this partner. And now she's dead. Yes. Which would lead you to the assertion that perhaps Bonnie was the successful one. Um, Maybe. But yeah, I mean, when your best friend dies and you're left alone, what do you do? You marry your followers in a ritual. So he married all of his remaining followers. All of them. Symbolically, remember, they're all celibate. Well, he is a bi-king, so let's... Tells them, and then, then he starts to get a little bit more intense. He starts saying things like, salvation comes through me alone, which is something Christ says. So he really is starting to see himself as Jesus now. Yep. Uh, he tells his students to see him as Christ. He begins to he begins to abandon science again. Mm-hmm. He now goes back to religious terminology. Um, claims that he has been left behind to continue learning, and starts and continues referring to Bonnie, but starts to use male pronouns. So you can see the Christianity seeping back in, mm. just in a really twisted version of it. He stopped preaching about choice, and now it's about devotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body will now die, and the soul will ascend and take possession of a new body. The spirit will travel to a spaceship, and uh, that's where it gets the new form. Um, but, you know, we we also leave normal Christianity behind to go into weird Christianity, uh, where heaven is another planet where all the highly evolved life forms live, and when you die, you get your own planet to observe evolution on, which is kind of similar to Mormonism and Scientology. You get your own planet? You get your own planet, and you get to be God. Sick. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Uh, he was full ancient aliens and mentioned, and this is where the Jesus returning every 2,000 years comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, the 1990s are the best time to come back and check on us, and, you know, Jesus returns and, and collects them and whatnot in the 90s. That's a, that's how it's supposed to go. I got it. Gotta give him credit. Things have gotten weird since the 90s, so maybe they were right. Um, And then he also begins teaching that he's a walk-in, which is one of these higher beings from the next level who came in and took possession of an adult body. Uh, Certainly higher on something. (laughs) He had been using a caterpillar butterfly metaphor, where, you know, your your time on Earth is your caterpillar, and then your death is the, the cocoon and the Afterlife is the butterfly. Mm-hmm. Just gets rid of that. Now we're just vessels. Um, oh, no. There's a lot of similarities to Gnosticism at this, this point. Uh, Gnosticism being the dualist theology that there is the demiurge and that Jesus and uh, the Holy Ghost are forms of angels and separate beings from God. Uh, but it does not have the part of Gnosticism that disdains the material world. Um, it's just they want to get out of it. And then they get really apocalyptic. Suicide becomes part of the theology. Uh, his paranoia goes absolutely nuts. He becomes convinced that the, the feds are after him and they're going to shut his compound down and it's, you know, all that. And he's got to avoid it. Not the IT monastery. What? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, well, and, and I will give him credit. This is probably the closest he ever came to being right about anything. Because oh. as we know, in the 1990s, you get Ruby Ridge and Waco. 
mm -hmm. uh, which we talk about in the video. But you know, if you don't know what Ruby Ridge is, basically there's this dude who just wanted to live on his own out out west and away from society off the grid, and he goes out there with his wife and his son. Um, you know, builds a cabin. They're just off in the woods doing their thing, uh, and he, then he, his wife gives birth to another child, and. One day he comes across a, a new friend, and that friend is like, "Ah, oh, you got it. You know, you. I know you got all your your goods here, but it, when it comes to home defense and like, you know, if a bear comes or anything, nothing does it quite like a sawed-off shotgun. Now, sawed-off shotguns are illegal. So, and he knows this, but he's like, "Ah, I live this far out in the woods. It's for home defense. Nobody's gonna care." So he saws saws the barrel down. Then he shows it to his friend. He's like, "Oh, you mean like this?" And his friend's like, mm, "Well, that's really not quite short enough. You gotta go another couple inches." So he's like, "Oh, okay. I guess I'll do that." Now, here's the thing about this friend. This friend was an ATF agent who just entrapped this man into sawing off a shotgun so it would become illegal and he could arrest him because the ATF has nothing better to do with their lives. Uh, so, as you do when somebody does this, you, um, you, know, you arrest them, right? Or instead, you call the FBI, tell them there's a dangerous terrorist off in the woods and they need several hundred armed agents, essentially a small private federal army, to go and arrest this guy, and then you don't actually go in. Instead, you ambush his family in the woods, kill his 14-year-old son, shoot his wife in the head with a sniper rifle while she's holding his infant child, and then fail to even arrest him, causing a complete PR disaster for the feds and leading uh, then-FBI uh, director William Barr, you might know him better as Attorney General Bill Barr from the Trump administration, uh, this is during the Clinton administration. Uh, well, the Ruby Ridge is, I think, at the very end of the Bush administration, but Bill Barr is still head of the FBI. Was this before or after Waco? This is before Waco, oh, and it's directly related to Waco. You know why? Because after this disaster, Barr went, man, I really, really messed up on that one. I need something good. I hear these these people down in Texas who are abusing children and have a compound with all these illegal firearms. So he goes down, he goes in to save those he goes women and in children. For a win. He goes for a win. And what oh, happens? Oh God! The feds murder seventy six uh, men, women, and children using gas while they hide inside of a bus underground. Um, seventy six men, women, and children burned to death. Uh, yeah. Four ATF agents die, and you know what's absolutely wild about it? Despite the fact this is roundly recognized as one of the greatest disasters in law enforcement history in the United States, uh, every year on the anniversary of Waco, the ATF actually posts about it and says we should pay respects to the four agents who died. Are you serious? I'm serious. It's like a Libertarian Party holiday at this point. Um, because it, it's just roast the ATF day yeah. every year. Um, and Ruby Ridge, the anniversary of Ruby Ridge was actually like a week and a half ago. So, uh, you know, but anyway, so the, the feds killed a whole bunch of people for no reason and called it a win. And then rather than being in prison, Bill Barr went on to be attorney general. The Tannerite dog. Oh yeah. The Tannerite Roomba. Oh, you know, no. Roomba's one thing. Please not go. Yeah. Not the Tannerite. It's gotta be a fake dog. Yeah. Um, but the point of the matter is, yeah, uh, there's... That all happens. So he wasn't totally wrong about the feds, but he was wrong about him being the target. Mm -hmm. uh, so, oh, also, I forgot to mention, uh, Biden nominated an ATF sniper who is, there's a picture of him holding his rifle and, like, just hanging out in the rubble. Oh, nominated that guy to head the ATF. He did not succeed. Um, that picture got brought up in the congressional hearing and everyone was like, mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like, you know, might be a bit of a PR disaster yeah, on that one. Yeah, let's maybe out. not do that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but yeah, he, you know, 
begins, but Applewhite, back to, back to Heaven's Gate here, Applewhite begins claiming that uh, most people have been brainwashed by Lucifer and that political correctness is a Luciferian idea. Um, All these. In an Orwellian sense, not totally off base, but, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, so this starts to take shape in 1988 as the alien abduction stories are becoming more and more common. Uh, in 1992, he starts to look elsewhere outside of the United States thinking, oh, my God, somewhere else in the world has got to be more friendly to my cult. <laughs> Turns out the U.S. is the most friendly place on Earth to cults, especially California. Um so, uh, they they do determine that, yeah, you can't really do that. They release a 12-part series on their theology via satellite, which at the time was a flashy new technology. Mm. Um, they have publications that go out in 1988 and 1992 that introduce and reinforce the belief in a universal mind. So now we're starting to get into Hindu theology. Uh, then they take the name Total Overcomers Anonymous in 1993. What are they overcoming? Nobody knows. <laughs> At this point, membership has dwindled to just 26 people. So what do you do when your membership is really low? You take out a $30,000 ad in USA Today. And it gets you back 20 people. Um, which is a return on investment of like $1,200 per person. Which is really not good. No. That is, is not a good lead value. Today on Facebook ads, a lead's going to cost you maybe $15. Bucks. Um, yeah. Yeah, but Facebook ads don't get you to join a cult. Enough. <laughs> uh, you're not on Facebook very much, are you? No, you are not. Uh, Neither am I, but... But, you know, this this isn't enough people. They need more people uh, to, to reach the next level. So Applewhite goes on a speaking tour in 1994, leads membership to go up to just under 100 people. At the same time, he relaxes his control and starts to isolate himself more. And, uh, you know, he's, he's really going through a little bit of a depression, you know. And when you're depressed, you do things that are going to raise your spirits. And what does he do to raise his spirits? Well, he posts his very good ideas on the internet, mm. where everyone's nice and nobody mocks you. Mm -hmm. um, this isn't even before Reddit. I was going to say, this is new internet, though. Like It still didn't go well yeah, for him. Yeah, it's, it's internet 1.0. Uh, the theology gets darker. Oh, um, you've got to abandon the body. And this is when Heaven's Gate really becomes Heaven's Gate. They try to settle in New Mexico, but as with everything Marshall Applewhite has ever done, they fail. Um, they moved to San Diego because it's California. And if you're going to be in a cult... Might as well be in SoCal. Yep, and this is this is after, like, most of the big cult stuff of the 20th century. So he's like, you know, I've got a cult. If I'm going to have a cult, I should do it in the cult capital of the world. Yeah. It's like being a serial killer and, you know, moving... Exactly, to and then, you, you know, you, you have lots of cults in California, like the Manson family and Scientology and Hollywood. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, but the the struggle with sexual identity becomes a lot more important at this point, and uh, a, a number of them, including Marshall himself, undergo surgical castration. Uh, they couldn't find anybody in the United States to actually undergo the process because at the time, sectomies weren't cool. So they go to Mexico, as one does when you need a surgery that no doctor in the United States was willing to do. Fair. Um, and this is because he was teaching that sexuality is what ties the soul to the body. Not possibly anything else. Uh, he also cites Matthew twenty two thirty, which is another case of somebody trying to use theology for something that theology shouldn't be used for. Uh, he begins a practice of forced androgyny, so everyone has to look non-gendered. Mm. Um, and in October of 1996, they rented a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, California, 
And around this time, Applewhite hears about the comet Hale-Bopp. Uh, for some reason, he becomes convinced that Bonnie is on a spaceship no. behind Hale-Bopp. No. And as the spaceship passes Earth, that's when it's time to ascend. No. So they start getting, like, really intense with their messaging, and oh my god, like, it's coming, like... Like, it's happening, it's, it's, it's time to go. Uh, and then, uh, in March 1997, everyone recorded farewell statements. They're, they're called exit statements. They're super creepy to read. Um, and, uh, they basically talk about Applewhite being their savior, and, uh, all this has to take place during his lifetime, because he's the leader, so, if he dies before they do, then they can't ever get to the next level. So, on March 22nd, 1997, adherents of the uh, religion, I suppose, uh, which is 39, 38 people plus Marshall, uh, they all wear black tracksuits emblazoned with a patch that says Heaven's Gate Away Team. Uh, and then... Over the next three days, members took barbiturates and alcohol, which is a great way to stop yourself from breathing. Um, do not try at home, please. Yeah, do not try at home. They placed bags over their heads, not plastic ones, um, just bags. Uh, what were they, Shia LaBeouf in 2014? I don't know. How does that? So they placed bags over their heads and just wait to die. Marshall himself uh, is helped by four assistants, and then the assistants uh, take their own lives, but they leave behind two people to run the website. What? Yeah. So those pe two people who are yeah. running the website, they know they're not going to ascend, right? Apparently. Or they think that they'll get a chance next time, or I guess they think they're coming back for them. I don't, I don't know. I didn't, get to, I didn't really yeah, get probably some I think they think out. they're coming back for them. Yeah, in terms of, you know, if you run the website, then when, you know, your time is. <laughs> See? No, no, I get it. I get it. I have a deal where I run a website for a pizza shop, and I get free pizza every now and then. So it's just the same thing on a greater well, that scale. That is a win. That is a win, right? That's a very much a win. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they all left a, uh, a few dollars and an ID next to their bodies. I don't know what the point of leaving the few dollars was. The ID makes sense to identify them. Yeah. Uh, so they can have funerals, but I don't necessarily understand the money. Um, the bodies were discovered by police after an anonymous tip on March 26th, and the exit statements are from, uh, Chicote, Glenodi, and Sorodi. No idea who these people actually are. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, long story short, when it comes to the exit statements, um, they're basically just anti-any sort of authority. Mm. Uh, they're very anarchist. And the problem is that they make a number of, like, pretty valid points about authoritarian government and organized religion and all that, but it's totally drowned out by all of the weird stuff about, like, the aliens and the comet and Marshall Applewhite being Jesus. So there's a lot of stuff that goes down there. But at the end of the day, this kind of rocks the Rancho Santa Fe community, California as a whole, and the whole nation finds out about it. It's one of the largest mass suicides in U.S. history. Uh, and probably the weirdest. Uh, the... You know, Jim Jones and all that was weird too, but or am I thinking of Jonestown? Am I thinking of Jim Jones and Jonestown? Jim Jones was the uh, Kool-Aid guy, right? Jonestown was Kool-Aid. Jonestown was Kool-Aid? So yeah, kind of like the Kool-Aid thing, but with weirder reasoning. So, yeah, she's very cute. Uh, I feel so special. Is Archie in here? 
Yeah, he's yeah, down Archie, come on, come on. Come here. Come here. Come here. I'm going to have to wash my arms pretty well from come how on. much you were licking come over come there. On. Come on. Come see how it's question time. But yeah, that's how it all goes down. That's how it ends. I mean, if you want the in-depth, detailed version of it, we have that video up uh, on YouTube. It went up Friday. But at this point, it is time to go to Super Chats and begin to answer questions. Feel free to ask Aiden personal questions um, because I would very much enjoy that. Um, I did lose a couple of these Super Chats. Don't ask me. Aiden's very tired, and I just enjoy torturing him. Also, I spent 10 hours moving today. If you are as tired as Aiden is right now, you should check out our coffee, Mount Pocono Perk from Tableau Roasting Company. Um, it is very reasonably priced at $16 a bag, and we make money from it, Tableau makes money from it, and you get to be awake. It's objectively uh, good coffee. It is good coffee, yeah. Um, Archie, why are you licking me now? You apparently have very lickable arms. You know me and my lickable arms. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to snag those first Super Chats. Uh, I'll let you guys answer this one because it doesn't require my uh, input. Uh, Grizzly from Avian for $10. Grizzly Bear versus Alligator. Who wins? Ooh. I mean, it depends on the environment. Ooh. 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 Water gator and bear. Feel like water gator and bear. bear because <laughs> the alligator kills by like grabbing and rolling, and I feel like there's like a grizzly is too big for like a gator roll to be like effective in combat. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair. I think she has a point, honestly. I would say so as well. Uh, here we go. Uh, Sequitur Tenebris for $5 says, As far as nicknames go, why not Catus? I mean, it's only Latin for cat, but it fits. I like just cat. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we got Avian Dark Saint twelve oh seven for five dollars. Said just here to cause healthy chaos in chat. Love the show. Thank you, my guy. Um, also, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we've got a new uh, a new setup on the the screen. I just realized that the microphone is just. Yeah, the microphone's kind of vibing. Someone made a comment about that earlier. Yeah. The flute is like, I love it. I'm First working on. I'm working on it. Uh, like forced perspective almost. Forced perspective. We can probably put it back there, but it's going to be hard to catch it. We might need to turn the gain up on it a little bit, but it's fine. Um, Archie, good boy. Um, good boy, good boy. Uh, let's see what we have. Jacob LaCicero says for $20, hey, first super chat comment ever. Well, thank you. Um, started watching you guys about four weeks ago. Binged all your content. Loved it all. Showed my dad the documentary you guys did on Tom Mesk. He and Thorn Bussy have the same model car. Oh, really? A man <laughs> of culture. Ah, I like that. And very high gas prices. Um, yeah. Heavy, heavy Burn Man for $5 says, The neck of a seagull and geese has been perfectly crafted by God to fit the hands of mankind. Use them like a flail. I respect Canadian gooses, but they are terrors. Okay, Jordan Peterson. I oh, I was like going for I, I know what you were going for, but it's the pause made it sound like Jordan Peterson. No, if I wanted to be Jordan Peterson, it would have been along the lines of, like, geese come from hell, and they're telling you to save your father from the underworld, or some weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta go to the underworld and save your father from the geese. Clean your room! <laughs> Alright, uh, Kyo Vilchenko says, choose another cult to be a trendsetter, answer carefully, the taste of milk is on the line. Oh. God, that is just such a weird... Sequence of words. 
I'm gonna see. I love instances in where things that are said ha have been said for the first time, like never said in history. I don't think that series of words has ever I'm been heard that before. Sequence of words I'm, yeah, anywhere I'm, I'm else. fairly certain that's the first time. So I just want to acknowledge. Congratulations, everybody. We were there for it. Oh my god. Anyway, moving on. Uh, choose another cult to be a trendsetter. Um, if I want a, if I want like good trend, I would go with Freemasonry. It's not really a cult, but. It does have good values. If I wanted to just cause utter chaos, then I would say, uh, honestly, whatever the hell Howdy's going through. Were you there for that? Huh? Uh, yeah, Howdy. She's a uh, she's a TikToker who grew up in a cult. She was on. Uh, she was our guest about oh, right, uh, yeah. about a month and a half ago, early July. Um, she grew up in a cult that was a mixture of Hinduism and Christianity, and was run by some random like eighty year old old dude. She was telling us about it. You can go watch that that episode if you want to like get more information on it. She went into a uh, pretty good amount of detail, but left out names. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was just like weird. It, you know, she was allowed to go to school, but she had to come back to like neighborhood and they had houses and uh, very strange stuff. Or the one from Midsummer because uh, that was that was wild. Never saw it. Yeah. What about you guys? Do you have any cult preferences? cult preferences no i have no cult preferences honestly i think the lore lodge is enough of a cult <laughs> it is yeah, honestly yeah, the, 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 the cult. cult the cult of the wind to see yeah yeah um phoenix ostopowich for two dollars canadian says seagulls are everywhere here flying rats yes i love all of the super <laughs> chats <laughs> they're just hating on seagulls oh, yeah. dark saint 1207 for two dollars says seagulls equal beach chickens <laughs> chickens taste good they suck chicken of the sea Chicken of the seagull. Yeah. Aiden <laughs> do be spitting facts right now. That's probably from the the, the uh, Ruby Ridge thing. Yeah, more than likely. Um, let's see. Uh, Problematic Farm for 20 says, When are you going to do the cult restoration of the Ten Commandments, Aiden? What? The cult restoration of the Ten Commandments? What? Is that a thing I promised to do? Uh, it may just be more along the lines of this is a thing. You should do it. Oh, just, you know, restore a early Judaism? No big. No problem. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can be Moses, I guess. Yeah. You know enough. I'm the one who makes the heretical jokes here. <laughs> You're still going to go to heaven. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. What else do we have? Uh, Phoenix Atopwich for $2 says, thoughts on Thessalonians. I would have to go and reread it to give you a good answer to that. I've been, like, very, very deep in the Old Testament recently. Like, so much Old Testament lore. So much Bible lore. The Bibble. The Bibble. The Bibble. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no more Super Chats at the moment, so... Oh, my God! <laughs> the answer is satisfactory. This haste of milk is safe for now. <laughs> Good. What's, what's not Judaism? The Ten Commandments? Those are Judaism. What is the one quote? It's like, it's not blah, blah, Julie. That's the tone I read that in. I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, Tyler... Dalrymple? Is that what that says? Dalrymple? Dal Tyler Dalrymple says abolish the ATF. Hell yeah, brother. Dalrymple. Natalie, are you telling me that the Ten Commandments are not Jewish? No, I think the restoration of the Ten Commandments is probably some cult where somebody was like, we've restored the Ten Commandments. This is what they actually say. And it's a bunch of weird cult shit. Hang on, hang on. Uh... No, he's trying to get down, but he's yep. burying his face in your arm, and it's kind of cute. 
Is it restoration of the Ten Commandments? Oh, it, yeah. The movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments of God was a religious movement oh. founded by Credonia Morinde Mur- and Joseph Kabwetiri in southwestern Uganda. Uh, well, yep, yeah, that makes sense now. Um, the names. I was like, what What are these? They're uh, Ugandan. Me bola, to have to wait. <laughs> no to wait. More memes. <laughs> Ugandan knuckles. Yep. <laughs> what a time that was. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even remember what year that was. I love that we've now referenced that twice in this podcast. That's horrific. Oh, people also search for People's Temple, Order of the Solar Temple, Heaven's Gate, and Branch Davidians. Hmm. Um, See, it was formed in 1989 after Morinde and claimed that they had seen visions of the Virgin Mary. Hmm. Um, The five primary leaders were... Okay, I can't pronounce these names. What happened to Joseph? What what Joseph? Which Joseph? Jesus is his stepdad. I don't know, he oh, just kind of vibed. Yeah. He just vibed. Did he? Yeah, he just lived. He was just a carpenter. Imagine being Joseph after all that goes down. Yeah. Well, I mean. Probably wild. Um, in early two, I can go into that in more detail another time, but uh, in early 2000s, followers of the religious movement died in a fire and a series of poisonings and killings that were initially considered a group suicide. It was later termed mass murder by the group's leaders after their predictions of the apocalypse failed to come about. Oh, that's new. That is aggressive. Because usually there's confirmation bias when, like, it's a psychological phenomenon in cults and things like that, where when things don't go correctly, the followers will usually believe the religion even further or the cult even further. It just, for some reason, they double down on it instead of waking up. And so that's interesting considering that phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Um, What else we got here? Two more. I did say Bible lore. Bibble. I found I found the cult. We're good. Um, didn't Marshall and the lady go by Bo and Peep? I think they may have at one point. I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, pigeons are invasive. They should probably have a bounty for them. They're not invasive. It's it's our fault. There are so many pigeons because we trained them to be message carriers and exactly. then invented telephones. Yeah, I mean pigeons. Pigeons are like kind of analogous to like feral cats they're they're a domesticated species they were also like central to the allied victory in world war one yeah P- pigeons did good for us and now it's our turn to do good for them exactly <laughs> adopt a pigeon today he's <laughs> starting a foundation cat just started the pigeon cult yeah the pigeussy please uh, no. i mean you probably beat them to it but it's still uh-huh. yeah they're they was gonna come uh i believe the money from the heaven's gate suicide was a douglas adams reference also i hate that cult it might be. Um, what else we got? Simpler times. Do you know the way? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the way? Ten Commandments Restoration Cult? You have to die to know the way. Uh, uh, please do an episode about, uh, what does it say? Aum Shinriki. Oh, the is that the sarin gas attack in the Japanese metro? I think that's what that is. Oh, jeez. Um, I can definitely uh, look into that. Yes, yeah, send me whatever you've got. Um, no one has... Tyler, Del, Tyler Dalrymple says for $10, no one has ever pronounced that correctly. Have more money. Thank you. Um, Joseph for $5 says, not a question. I just want to say that I hate that most of these cult leaders share a first name with me. <laughs> Love the content. <laughs> they do usually like to have biblical names, it seems. Yeah. Like Jim. The good news is there's a lot of good people also named Joseph. It's a joke. Oh, okay. Like Joseph Stalin. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, Joseph. <laughs> I'd love to hear Aiden should go gold prospecting in the Nahani River Valley. I will happily do know. That. <laughs> you can. Um, people who you do can. that tend to turn up dead. I'll be like Yukon Cornelius with the old pickaxe and just go nothing. Do MLMs count as cults? Ah, I mean, I was a Cutco salesman for a bit. <laughs> Not gonna lie, it is a little cultish. I made good money though, and I got free knives. And like for for all the You're jokes, like the they are good. Only knives. person I think who is successful in like selling. It's usually like one or two people per office do well, and the rest wash out. And in some places, they actually. That's about you. Yeah. That you're you're like a cocker, like a successful cocker knife salesman. He's a I was salesman. I was eighteen. He's a good cult leader. I was eighteen. Have you seen him this past year? I was eighteen. I would go and I would talk to middle-aged stay-at-home moms. They thought I was cute. I made jokes about knives. They bought them. I think yeah, I guess in this area. The... You've seen you've seen the knives. You know the one that's like no, the, the big I've butcher's knife. Those. You know the big they're butcher's good knife. Knives. Not to be a Cutco, you know, yeah. knife salesman on you know your your podcast here. But they're good knives. They, yeah, they like I can probably go back to Cutco sales and do well. Says <laughs> um, Cutco uses forty four C steel, not good steel at all. Ten eighty or nothing. The knives. I have not needed to sharpen my knives, and I've had them for six years. I, you, you're a very good cook. You do good work with the knives. Yeah, it's, but I would refer to the butcher's knife as the home defense weapon, and middle-aged women found that hilarious. And they couldn't just get one knife at that point. They had well, to get the whole set. Well, how you, you played into the stereotype, and it worked. Yeah. In sales, stereotypes are everything. I, I, you heard it here first. <laughs> I would never want to be a salesman. Isn't your dad a salesman? Your yes. entire job is marketing. Marketing and sales are different things. I produce, I don't sell. Okay. What do we got? I prefer rock doves over pigeons. Uh, just a heads up, <laughs> we'll, we'll be ending at 8.30, so if you guys have any yeah, more... Yeah, if we have any more oh, pressing okay. questions, <laughs> I will try to get to the non... What? Aiden's tired. Aiden needs to go sleepy, bud. I do. Um, I'm hungry. Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, maybe Yeah, the Heaven's Gate website is still up. It's hilarious. I think Tay earlier said, is that the one that looks like uh, graphic design is their passion? And yes. Um, yes, it is. I don't think I have uh, anything set up where I can pull it up at the moment, but... Excuse me. Eric, considering you seem to know some element about steel, remind me what, like, tool steel's grade is. O uh, one is coming to my mind, but it doesn't sound. Also, good. if I remember correctly, for knives, there's like a regular. At least this is what they told us. There's a regulation that you can only use up to a certain quality of steel for knives. That's not true. So I don't know, but that was what they. That's what they told us to say is that it's the highest quality that's like legally allowed to be used for knives. That's Listen, like, I that, don't no, do no, knife steel. That I do is like, that is like Sea World telling you that all males' dorsal fins collapse in I the have, wild. I have no idea if it was true. I just remember <laughs> that, that is what they told us. Um, let's see what else Guaranteed. we got. Uh, the Heaven's Gate website is still, yep. Uh, oh god, Aiden, no. A lot of people have said that to me in my life. Aiden just became anarcho-communist. <laughs> I'd rather die. Um, let's see, uh, my cousin's husband is high up in Cutco and I can confirm he's a cult leader. <laughs> Love it. Love to hear it. T.L. Langster says, one of the best things I've gotten out of this and similar podcasts is the, I hope you hear whistling in the woods. <laughs> Dang, that's insane. Hope he's okay, though, at Crested Gardens. Okay, so the cult leader thing. 
He's okay. He's absolutely loaded. Yeah, they make good money. Um, Piggy Colt? Almost any knife found at Kohl's will perform relatively the same. Not knocking you. Free knives are free knives, but Cutco is a bit of a scam and has a history of not caring about their sellers. Yeah, they're not great as a company, I'll admit that, but I did make decent money. And the knives were fine, so... I, what's what's actually good about them is the the they're not the the ones that look serrated, they're not actually serrated. They've got a special like diamond cut tip that mm-hmm. works better than the serrated and takes longer to blunt. That's the selling point. The sharp knives are just sharp knives. Um, but I will say the serrated ish that they're to give you the, the Cutco version, oh, the patented no. Cutco Double D Edge. Double yes, D that's what it's called. So, uh, the Wendussi joke has not stopped in class. It happened Friday, Aiden. I don't know what to do. I know I should turn the other cheek, but should a holy hand grenade be used to stop my degenerates? Did you clip? Did you clip the part where I begged them to stop? Because if the man who created the Wendussi begs you to stop, I just love that a teacher is using our gun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what a massive mistake you're of, making. Of all of the things I had hoped teachers would use our content for, the Wendussi was not on the list. The, the scissors are pretty cool. You can cut a penny To be them. fair, I mean, if, <laughs> if a student's going to identify with anything, it's going to be the degeneracy element of whatever yeah, the hell we're doing. That's what we all would have identified with. Higher end steels are generally higher in carbon content and hand forged rather than stamped steels, such as what lower end knives are. I don't think Cutco are stamped. Yeah. Also, thank you, Odinzai. I know they're hand sharpened. Oh, thank you, Odinzai. For ten dollars, yeah. he says, uh, "Hey guys, love what you do." I know, Eric. I know that there is a certain like upper limit of the carbon before it gets it becomes too just brittle. Brittle, yeah. Uh, but I'm just, I can't remember the levels. My teacher won't stop using it since my teacher is a free speech lover. Okay, well. All right. Okay. Valid. Fair. Fair. I, I appreciate your 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 teacher's reasoning. That is the other cool thing, Eric. I will say this is about, this is about the knives. Uh, they do have a lifetime warranty, and that's the lifetime of the knife. So if your knife needs to be replaced, you can just send it in and they'll replace it. Sorry, it's like bringing so many memories. He'll like turn. He'll just be like, "That is the cool thing about the yeah. <laughs> double D." And it's like, "That is the cool thing." You're sitting over here. It's like, that's it. That's it. Just like, "Oh, Aiden, one of my kids at work showed me when Dussy memes." I love that. Don't you work that, with children? I love specifically that that response almost kind of begins to like produce the idea. It's like I'm beginning to see why people bought the knives from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sitting here you're like, oh, no, he actually is pretty good at deflecting these criticisms. Yeah. Like. Um, but they're not thinking that. They're thinking, oh, wow, these must be pretty good knives. Yeah, I know they're at least hand-sharpened. I don't know about the actual process for making them. Uh, have you ever been to a haunted place? I went to the Axe Murder House. Oh, jeez. Oh. Are you talking about the Lizzie Borden house? Uh, and got a headache out of nowhere near one of the clo- clothed mirror? Closed, probably. I don't know. Um, I don't understand the Wendussi and why it's mentioned in your class, but at this point I'm too afraid to ask. Valid. Um, not lifetime, knife time. If you're going to be anarcho, might as well be based about it and be an anarcho-capitalist. That's much closer. <laughs> much closer to where we are. Taxation is theft, you know, the whole the whole nine yards. Um, if you want, if you want uh, taxation is theft-style apparel and other libertarian nonsense, go to unqualifiedapparel.com. Um, you will find plenty of it, as well as uh, Marcus Aurelius quotes, 
and a what? What is that? UA. Oh god. Qualified apparel. And uh, right. also a John Paul Jones shirt that I made specifically for Aiden. Love um, John Paul Jones. Uh, but to answer the question about going to a haunted place, yeah, I've been to, uh, Penhurst a number of times, uh, and me and a few of the, uh, the Discord mods are actually going to be going to Penhurst, um, this, this fall. Let's see, uh, oh, it was one of the teenagers, okay, couldn't say anything to her, I know what it is, because HIPAA. You can't you can't talk to her about the Windows because of HIPAA. HIPAA law covers a lot more than I thought. <laughs> I had to rewind because I was in a blissing late. This podcast makes my already dreadful drive to Nova a little more exciting. When you say Nova, do you mean Nova Scotia or Villanova University? Because it's Villanova University, you're very close to us. <laughs> I actually almost went there uh, for undergrad. Um, what else we got? Uh, I love the idea of lifetime of the knife warranties. I'm just waiting for a company to send back letters saying the knife has died. Warranty is void. <laughs> uh, when Dussie was mentioned in the Myths and Legends class, my teacher found it funny. My degenerate friend started it and won't stop. I suffer 90 every other day there. 90 minutes? Oh, it was a Pokemon joke. Okay. Um, yeah, let's go. You can't mention your private life. Can you mention my private life? You, Her mentioning you is a reference to her private life. Uh, okay, makes sense. My psych minor comes in handy today. But yeah, I think that covers uh, your candle cane. Does it smell good? I have candles on the Amazon storefront. If you go to Amazon.com oh, slash Aiden Mattis... You can get some. You can get some stuff. The, the like actual Lore Lodge candles. Yeah, they and I make money from it. Lore Lodge. I make money from it, so that's important because I'm now self-employed officially. <laughs> I think that's a nice thing about the like Amazon storefront is because you can like get things like closer to immediately versus yeah. like ordering off of the. Yeah, like, you can also also launch, if, which, which is awesome, but you have to be like patient. Yeah, but the other thing is, if you go to the Amazon storefront, if you start shopping from there. No matter what you buy on Amazon during that session, I'll get credit for it. Nice. So you could buy, like, something completely unrelated, and I will get credit for it. Which is nice. And it's, like, 4%-ish, generally. Uh, your man is throwing gang signs like he is bulletproof. Are you throwing gang signs? I did UA for underqualified apparel. If that gets me shot. over here. I did one. Um, uh, now I can't go into any major city. <laughs> Uh, I'm three stages ahead of anyone anarchist. I identify as an anarcho neophalangist. I have no idea what that means. I'm a boy at 835. I know, I know, I know. You're tired. All right. But um, but thank you, everyone, so much for tuning in. We had a great time. I hope you had a great time. Except for whoever's teacher keeps using the term Wendosi. I'm so sorry. That's awful. But Our condolences. The rest of you, have a wonderful evening. And we will see you on the next one. Goodbye, guys.